Good morning. How are we doing? It's good to be back with you. Good to have you back, Pastor. Thank you, favorite member. So if you were here for the last two weeks and you're wondering, who is this much better looking preacher up here today? My name is Tim. I'm the pastor of this church, and it is a privilege to be with you today. I feel God is going to do some amazing things in 2018. Who's with me? Come on, somebody. Woo! Well, I love this church. I mean, I go away, and, uh, you know, Florida is, you know, nice, but it is so awesome. I, I came last Sunday. I walked in the door. You know, as soon as you walk in the door, you just feel at home. You feel God is here. And I just, I just love the people who serve here. And my wife and I are privileged to be your pastors. And um, I thank God for every single one of you. And I don't know if anybody else gets that feeling. When you walk through the door of this place, you just feel the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and people who have been genuinely changed by him. Amen. Amen. Well, this year's theme is be the church. Let's say those three words together, one, two, three, be the church. Let's say it like we mean it, one, two, three, be the church. And I am really excited about this thing. We're going to do a series of messages in February called Be the Church. Going to look at what that means for our church. And what you have to understand, and if you're here for the first time, I'm so glad about this. Uh, but let me just kind of give you first-timers and maybe some of you long-timers uh, a reminder, but first I'm some information. When you come to a weekend service at Water Church, we like to say that that's just kind of coming into the foyer of our church, like the foyer of somebody's house. And how many know if you just sit in somebody's foyer when you come to be a guest at somebody's house, you're not really getting to know them. Wouldn't that be kind of awkward? You're just kind of like sitting there in the foyer saying, I like this clock. That's very nice. And so this is like a foyer, but we want to move you into the we want to move you into the family room where we get to know each other. We call that small group. We want to move you into the living room where you really relax. You let your, let your hair down. That's serving. We want to get you into the kitchen where we get you into our classes and start cooking up God's goodness in your life as you learn who you are, what he made you to do, and, and start serving in the body of Christ here at Waters Church. And then we want you to be in the bedroom making disciples. How many know what I'm talking about here? Multiplying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get that image out of your head. That was bad. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have gotten it. But nonetheless, we want to filter you from the weekend experience into serving as the body of Christ. And we want to constantly create new channels for everybody to serve in new and different ways. So, like, for instance, one of the ways you serve at Water Church is small groups. Um, not, not small groups. For serving in this building. And then another way is small group leadership. And then another way is uh, the Providence Rescue Mission going with Chris and the team down there every month to serve and to be the church. Another way is compassion, giving to compassion, sponsoring children, and, and the giving that you do beyond this building. But we're going to create two new ways that we can be the church in 2018. How many think this is a good idea? 2018, two more ways to be the church. The first way is celebrating 15 years of existence as Waters Church North Attleboro. 15 years. My daughter is 16. I still have a little video of her dancing in the aisle at Fisher College basement when we were just a very small church. Um, and so, you know, this church is like a baby to me, and it's like, well, 15 years. You got to throw a party for 15 years because next year we get our license. Hallelujah. 
but for 15 years, we're going to do 15 miracles for 15 years, and we're going to change the lives of 15 people or families in 2018 to the glory of God. And I'm talking about like people who are desperate for a miracle, we're gonna be the church and bring the miracle to them. More information is gonna give, be given to you in your small groups uh, over the course of the next several weeks. So this starts when the weather starts to break in our favor and we can get out there and do stuff. That's when we're gonna start doing it. But we're gonna celebrate our 15th anniversary, not just by throwing a big party, not just by having a big bash. Anybody can do that. And it does no good for nobody. The church is called to bless the world. The church is called to be a blessing to the nations. Can I get a good amen? Yes. And so we want to be a blessing to 15 people who, whose lives would be totally and tr uh, utterly changed uh, for the glory of Jesus' name. And then the second way is foster care. We are going to be par partnering with the, the county and the district and, and this area of Massachusetts to place the 7,000 children uh, in foster care families uh, in this area we need to be the church here. And so some of you, maybe for three months, a month, I don't know, maybe six months a year, we're going to start to get this, this, this venue in place in our church where you can be the church in foster care and love a child in the name of Jesus. Bring them to our children's program. Amen. Introduce them to Jesus. And I believe we can make a difference in Massachusetts in this area. Jesus said, suffer not, let the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And I believe when we love children, we are loving Jesus in the flesh, especially children who need a home. So more on that is coming in the coming months. I'm excited for 2018, and to start 2018, we're going to start with getting our, our first things First. So that's the message today. First things first, if you got a Bible, take it out, open to Mark chapter 12, and if you got the bulletin, take it out. In the bulletin, we give you a uh, note page. It looks like this, and we want you to fill in the blanks with us, follow along with us, take notes, because there probably will be a quiz at the pearly gates. Um, <laughs> there will be a quiz. It's just a one-question quiz. How do you get to heaven? Jesus. Amen. All right, so the title of the message is A Healthy Start Begins with a Heart for God. A healthy start to your year, a healthy start to your marriage, a healthy start to your teenage years, 20 years, 20s, 20 something years, 30 something years, 40 something years, 50 something years, whatever years you're in, it starts with a heart for God. Uh, you can have all the resolutions in the world, but if you don't have a heart for God, they really don't mean anything. You can have all the plans in place for what you want to see happen in your life in this coming calendar year. But if you don't have a heart for God, uh, you're going to miss out on God's ultimate plan and purpose for your life. And so I want our church to start right. And I, and I thought, like, this is the theme for the series. I want you to be in good health. Good health. I think if, it's, it's been said many times, um, if, you don't have your, if you have your health, you have what? Everything. I believe that's true. And I think it's so important for God's people to be healthy, but, but not just healthy physically, healthy internally, healthy mentally, healthy socially. Did you know that the Bible wants you to be healthy? The scriptures, God has written down in the scriptures, he wants you to be healthy. 3 John, verse 2, there's only one chapter in 3 John. And verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in, what's the next two words, everybody? 
good health as it goes well with your soul. Too many Christians make being a Christian all about just getting to heaven. Like that's all God cares about, just wants my soul. God just wants my soul, I don't care about anything else. I can treat my body however I want, my mind however I want, my, my, my spirit however I want. But God, you know, all he really cares about is just that I, I, I side on the dotted line for Jesus and I, and I make sure that I'm on my way to heaven and I think that that is actually far less than what God wants for you. I believe God loves your soul, don't get me wrong, but I think he loves your heart, he loves your mind, and he loves your body. If, if God was following you on Instagram, he'd like every selfie. Probably not. But he loves you more than just getting you to heaven. If, if Christianity was just about getting to heaven, then the moment you received Jesus, wouldn't it make more sense that he just kind of suck you up into heaven like immediately? Like, I, I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Where'd he go? Oh, he received Jesus. <laughs> no, God cares about your body. He cares about your mind. He cares about your heart. How many of you want a healthy heart in 2018? Come on, let me see the hands. How many of you want a healthy soul, healthy mind, healthy body? Did I say body already? All right, heart. Whatever. Let's get to the, let's get to the four categories. Heart, soul, mind, body, strength. Remember the greatest commandment is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your and with all your strength so the whole of your person is to love god and i believe when we get there we live in health in fact the word salvation in the greek is sozo i'm gonna put it up on the screen sozo s-o-z-o in the greek sozo is more than just getting to heaven this is a ancient greek word sozo everybody say it with me one two three sozo and it refers to four categories of our being. It refers to, and I had to write them down so I'd remember, preserving the inner being, which I believe that refers to your heart. Preserving the inner being. This is an ancient definition of the word sozo. This is how we study biblical words. How were they used in their context originally? And it was used to talk about saving your insides. It's used to save um, your soul, saving to snatch you out of peril or serious uh, turmoil, and I believe that speaks to your soul, and then it's used to keep a spark, uh, this is another definition, to keep a spark of fire from going out. So, so when you want to keep the fire lit, they use the word sozo. Let's sozo the fire. And I think that refers to your mind. Like, we don't want our minds to get dim as we grow older. We want our minds to be sharper as we grow older. Amen. And the Bible says that gray hair is a sign of wisdom. Come on, somebody with gray hair. It's not a sign that you're out, about to go out to pasture. It's a, it's a sign that you're supposed to be leading others in wisdom from heaven. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church, old people? Praise Jesus. <laughs> Number four, uh, benefiting means to be cured or to save from an illness. And I thought that refers to our bodies. And, and so think about this ancient word, sozo, refers to saving not just your soul to get to heaven, but your mind to be sharp, your body to be active and strong, and your, and your, and your heart to love the thing that God loves, hate the thing that God hates, and preserve your entire being. And so I want you to write this down. Sozo, salvation is more than just getting to heaven. It's about godly health. 
Godly health is whole body health. Too many people think the church exists just to talk about getting to heaven. No. The church exists to tell you how to live the way your designer made you to live. Before you listen to some diet expert, listen to God's word. Before you listen to some therapist or counselor, listen to the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. Before you listen to your doctor or your lawyer or your general practitioner, listen to the great physician from heaven, Jesus Christ. He wants it to go well with you, body, soul, mind and heart why is this important because I can only make one guarantee for you in 2018 and this is the guarantee 2018 will not go according to plan <laughs> regardless of your resolution life happens Regardless of your ideas, life happens. Life has a funny way of being unexpected. Amen, somebody. Are you gonna have the heart for it, the mind, the soul, the strength to embrace whatever gets thrown at you in 2018? Life happens. I went to Florida with my wife and my children. It was wonderful. To be down there, we go there every year to visit family, and let's be honest, to escape snowpocalypse. We're so sorry we missed the bomb cyclone, whatever the thing we called it there. So sorry. We were thinking like, all right, let's go. We're gonna go to the beach. Gonna snap a bunch of pictures so we can brag about it. Let everybody know in New England that we're not suffering along with them. Got down to Florida, life happened. It was 50 degrees. I want my money back. They should have a refund principle. If it's not above 80 in Florida when you go and you're from New England, you get your money back. How many think we should put that into law? Somebody call your congressman. 50 degrees. We didn't, we went to the beach once. It had a frost warning. A fr like if I wanted a frost warning, I would have stayed in New England. So we went to the beach one day, and I took a picture, because I was that adamant you were gonna get a picture of me on the beach from vacation. Here's the picture, let's put it up on the screen. Man. <laughs> let's get a little bit up close, because look, the beard, I don't know if you can see up close. The beer's frozen. <laughs> I thought, man, that's a good picture right there. <laughs> that looks like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I thought, man, we should put that on the poster of Star Wars. What would it look like if I was, there I am in Star Wars, The Last Jedi. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> man, it was rough. Life happens. Somebody say life happens. Only guarantee I can make for you for 2018 is 2018 will not go according to your plan. You gotta be healthy. You gotta be ready. God does not want you flying off the handle. God does not want you collapsing on the floor. God does not want you falling on your back with things that you did not expect. He is your father and he wants his children to be strong and mentally and physically and spiritually prepared for what's ahead. 
something serious happened too in Florida. As funny as it is to talk about the weather, on Wednesday, on Wednesday my mother and I, we stay with my parents, and so my mother bursts into the room at 8 a.m., and she's shouting, and she says, Tim, wake up. Your father's having a stroke. And, you know, when you wake up, how many hate just the idea of that kind of morning? And you just, I jumped out of bed, and I'm like, Where's my phone? My phone was right next to my bed. Where's my phone? Call 911. I could not even have the mental capacity to say, where's my phone? Forgot that it was right there. My wife, she grabs her phone. Thank God women sometimes. Amen. They, <laughs> they can multitask up here, and so she's like on it. She's got the 911 call going. My father's having an episode. Long story short, he did not have a stroke, praise be to God. Um, he's a diabetic, and he ate too much sugar the night before, and he almost slipped into one of those terrible diabetic comas. But by God's grace, we, uh, the paramedics and everything rescued him and uh, spent a day in the hospital and got a lot of lectures from all of us about how he's eating, and <laughs> he's back to full strength. To God be the glory. Amen. So thank you. But listen... What I was thinking about at that moment was how many of you are going to have a moment this year and it's going to come at you like a fist, like a fist in the face, spiritually, emotionally, whatever. And you got to be ready. You got to be ready. God wants you ready. Like, I know we all like miracles, like God rescue me out of this mess, but how about being strong enough to handle the mess no matter what happens, whether or not you get a miracle? And that's what this series is about. So I want you to be strong. And I want you to be healthy, and I want your whole being to be ready. And so we got to put some first things first. And today we're going to talk about the heart next week, the soul, third week, the mind, and then the final week of this series, the body, strength. So let's stand together. We're going to read Mark 12, verse 28. Here's what it says. Mark 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Just note the disputing term there. And seeing that he, Jesus... Jesus had answered them well. This scribe asks Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we should know these words. And you shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. But notice that he starts off with the heart. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for from it springs the wells of life. Everything comes from the heart. And so before we get to soul, mind, and strength, we're going to talk about the heart. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe who had first come to test him and tempt him and trap him actually ends up agreeing with him. You are right, he says. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far. Somebody say, not far. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of God. Let's pray over our time together. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart and the meditation of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. I pray that in these next few moments we will see Jesus. That, Lord, in 2018, 
you will strengthen us for the journey. And in this month where we kind of hibernate physically, it'll be a season of renewal spiritually and mentally. And God, we will run the race marked out for us with endurance and perseverance. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a seat. All right, Mark, verse, Mark 12, verse 28, and one of the scribes came to him and heard them disputing with one another. This is a key term in the passage. He's disputing with the scribes. He's disputing with the Pharisees. He's disputing with the Sadducees, and, uh, and they're all coming at Jesus. Do you know why they're coming at Jesus? Do you know why? They don't like Jesus. He doesn't fit their religious mold. He doesn't play their religious game. He doesn't play politics. He's above all that nonsense. All that nonsense on your Facebook feed and on social media, he's above all that. That's what I love about Jesus. He's above all the noise. Amen. And the day before, he had just come into Jerusalem, and he had overturned the tables and, and cast out the money exchangers and the pigeon sellers and all the people who are capitalizing on the worship system of Israel. And he's mad that they've made the house of worship into a house of economics and personal gain. And so he goes in the day before and he kicks over the tables. I just think about this with Jesus. Jesus was not some limp-wristed metrosexual from the Renaissance. Hallelujah. He was a strong man of God and he goes in there and gives them a good butt kicking how many think it's cool that we got a savior who knows how to give a good butt kicking amen amen and I'm amazed that you said amen but all right um he goes in there and he just upends the religious system. He just upends their 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 clique, their 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 little groupy event going on. And so the next day he comes back to the temple and now they got some questions. They want to know who do you think you are? And so they start disputing with him. Now, let me give you some context here. In Jesus' day, uh, Judaism was a lot like Christianity today. Because although there was this great big religion called Judaism, like there's a great big religion called Christianity, there were many different forms of the religion. And so to today, there are many different forms of Christianity. Some of you came from a different form of Christianity than what you see at Waters Church. Some of you came from the genuflecting form or the incense form or the um, social justice form or the mainline big white church on the main street of American towns form of Christianity. There's many different cliques. There's many different groups. There's many different kinds of Christianity. Are you all following me here? And in Judaism, there was many different forms, and it was all about what they emphasized. And so you had the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were kind of like the right-wingers of uh, Judaism. They hated taxes. They hated Rome. And they believed that religious practice was everything, and going to church was everything, and tithing was everything. And so if you wanted to be a good Jew, you did those things. And then on the other opposite end were the Herodians, the Herodians loved the Roman 
justice system, and they, they loved the king. Their king's name was Herod, so they were even named after the king. If, if they were here today, they'd be called the Trumponians, okay? And so they, they thought religious uh, practice was best emphasized if we supported the government, and we paid higher taxes, and we brought justice and equity to the people. And then you had the Sadducees, and these were kind of like the people who were all about saving the earth and being about what this life is because there is no afterlife according to the Sadducees so you had to do everything possible to make sure everybody had a good fair shot in this life and then you had a group called the Zealots and the Zealots were on the right of the right wingers they wanted to overthrow the government they wanted to they wanted to kick Rome's butt they wanted to you know take over by force the governmental, unjust governmental system that they saw taking away their rights and their privileges. And then you had the Essenes, and the Essenes were a group of people who believed that the best way to serve God was to hibernate in little cloistered off groups of people, and you homeschooled your children, and you stayed home all the time praying and reading your Bible because that's the way you be a good Jew. How many know some things never change? Because there's still those kind of groups in the world, in the Christian world today. And every group, how many know this? Every group believes they're the right group. I believe we're the right group. <laughs> I think every church should be like us. But God is above the noise. And those groups that I don't think are doing it right think they're right. And at the end of the day, we all got these ideas of what it means to be a good Christian. And so this scribe, I mean, and so in this moment, Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees and the Herodians. They come to him with a question about taxes. Pharisees hate taxes. Herodians love taxes. They're like, okay, which group are you in? Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus says, show me a coin. And they show him a coin. They say, whose image is on the coin? They say, Caesar's. He says, give to Caesar's what's his. But he also knows that they know the Bible. The Bible teaches them that we are made in the image of God. And so then he says, and give to God what is God's. In other words, don't worry about where your money's going. Worry about where your body's going. Wow. Shut down. <laughs> they can't trap him. The next group comes out, the Sadducees. Again, they don't believe in a resurrection, so they come up with this ridiculous idea, this ridiculous hypothetical situation. A woman is married to seven different men. Every man dies that she's married to. How many know if you were number five on the list, you'd think twice before you got hitched up with that girl? Come on, somebody. Seven guys marry her, seven guys die, and they say at the resurrection, since you're so into the next life, Jesus, whose wife is she going to be? And he says... He says, you're not reading the Bible right, are you? <laughs> he says, at the, at the resurrection, they're not going to be marrying. They're going to be like angels. They're not going to be marrying, and they're not going to be giving in marriage. And for some married folk in this house, that's terrible news. And for others, that's the best news you've ever heard. <laughs> but we won't go there. We won't go there. <laughs> and then he says, and about the resurrection in the first place, since you don't believe it, let me read the scriptures back to you at the burning bush. God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac and I am the God of Jacob. I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. Woo! Shut down. So there's one last brave soul in the crowd that's willing to dispute with Jesus. And he's a scribe and scribes knew the law. They were kind of like the lawyers of the day. 
And he comes to Jesus with a very legal question. Which commandment, verse 28, is the most important of all? And within this context now that I've painted for you, I want you to see the point of the question. The point of the question is not really to find out which commandment is the most important. The point of the question is to find out whose side are you on, Jesus? Because if Jesus picks a certain commandment, they can pigeonhole him into that group, one of those five groups of Judaism, and then guess what the other four groups get to do with him? Dismiss him. Oh, you're a zealot. Oh, you're a Pharisee. Oh, you're one of those. You're one of those evangelical Christians. I get it. Oh, you're one of those mainliners. Oh, you're a Catholic. Oh, you're a Baptist. Oh, I understand. So I don't have to listen to you. This is this question that's being set up for Jesus. Which is your favorite one? And I thought about this because we all come from different backgrounds and all come, we all come from different upbringings and maybe no church upbringing at all, but I want to ask you a question. In your upbringing and in your past, what was your number one commandment in your group of people? For some of you, it was read your Bible and pray. You'd be like in a scene. For some of you, it was fight the government corruption. You'd be a zealot. For some of you, it was vote according to the stipulations of our, you know, religious convictions. So you'd either be a right-winger, evangelical, or left-winger, mainliner, or whatever. What was it, number one for you? Like some, I think we do this. We do this with the Bible. Okay, what's the most, like, like fill in this blank. I'm being a really good Christian when? When what? When I... And so that's your number one commandment. And I thought about how we, we love to do this with the Bible. So we can dismiss the rest and just do the thing that we think is most important. You know, uh, we do this as preachers. We say, uh, preachers love the come to church and pay your tithes commandments. That's our number one commandment. Come to church and pay. Come to church and give. Come on. And then singers, worship leaders, they love the psalms. Sing to the Lord. Clap your hands. And they get really bothered when you just stand there. And parents love those rules about children obeying their parents. Come on, some parents. Parents of teenagers, especially toddlers and teens. Hey, the Bible says, the Bible says. And so you're being a very good Christian when you do this. And then spouses do this with each other, don't we? The number one commandment according to wives, husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Don't you realize that that's the number one commandment of the Bible? And husbands, they strike back with, don't you know that the number one commandment of the Bible is wives submit to your husbands? We love to do this with the Bible, don't we? We just love to do this. We love to make certain things the main thing. And what I love about Jesus is he does not take sides you, you got to realize this. Jesus has a funny way of being God. Above the noise, above the distinctions, above the arguments. 
And he loves people who don't think like you, vote like you, look like you, dress like you, live like you, parent like you, spend money like you, and, and support who you support. He loves people who are nothing like you. The people you're arguing with in politics right now, Jesus loves those people too. Let that ruin your weekend. <laughs> Jesus is not pro-Trump, and Jesus is not anti-Trump. Jesus is over Trump to the glory of God. Amen? He's the anchor of true existence. He doesn't play your side against others. And so this man says, what's your number one commandment? And Jesus just blows them away with his answer. You want me to pick one of those ones you guys got down? I'll pick the one no one's got down. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what he's doing to this man is he's speaking to his heart. And I want you to write these three points down. Number one, if we're going to have a heart for God, a heart for God stops trying to get Jesus or God on your side or in line with your agenda or to stamp your plan or your goal or your dream for your life. A lot of Christians and a lot of preachers do a lot of preaching to itch the ears of the hearers. More than ever before, I've seen it more than ever before in America. We are becoming just like the social media, me first driven culture around us because it's just me first but me with Jesus, amen. All about me, all about my dreams, all about my goals, all about my vision. God's with me. God is for me. God is there. I know me and Jesus are going to do everything that I'm supposed to do this year. And it's like, wait a second. Are you preaching a gospel that glorifies God or glorifies you? He's not really interested in making your dreams come true. You see, Jesus is on a mission to seek and to save that which was lost. He's on a mission to reach out to the nations. He's on a mission to change the world, and he wants to change the world through you. And so my question is, can you partner with what God is doing instead of expecting him to partner with what you plan on doing? Mm, this is good preaching, and I know it's good preaching because you're not saying amen. But it's good preaching because we need to be on his side. It's never about him being on our side. It's about knowing what God is up to and getting on board and saying, Father, here's my body, my mind, my heart, my soul. Do with it what you want. Because I can't control the future. But you are God from everlasting to everlasting. You know the Beginning, the middle, the end, you've got a purpose in mind, and I know you've called me according to your purpose. We love that text. We love that text. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Oh, I love that text, but we always stop right there. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. There's no period after love him. There's no period. You know what it says? It says, for God works in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He's not called according to your purposes. You're called according to his purposes. 
So let that be a release in your life. You don't have to make the grade. You don't have to necessarily get the promotion. You don't have to be married by the end of this calendar year. You don't have to have that child to bring glory to Jesus because he can use anybody to get glory for himself. He can use a donkey in the Old Testament. He uses a donkey to rebuke a prophet. And if God can use an ass, he can use you. And all the wives said amen. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't say amen. That's bad. All right. But my point is you've got to surrender to what he has in store for you. Maybe this difficult season that you're in is preparation season for the thing he's got planned in the next season. And if you don't learn this lesson in this season, he'll just give you the class all over again. You just retake the test until you pass it so that you're ready and prepared for the next challenge. You're fighting against the things that God has put into your life. You're fighting against it. You're asking it to go away. And God says, I sent it to you. It's there on assignment because I want to chisel some stuff out of you and put some different things into you so that your life can bring glory to me. Maybe you're in a job where you just don't like the people. You don't like the, the situation. You don't like what you're doing with your time. And, 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 and you don't realize that God's got you there. I remember my first job. I hated my first job. I hated it. Hate. <laughs> I worked for a lumber company, a, a hardware company. I hated that job. I hated it. You say, Pastor, why didn't you get a different job? I don't know. I was so stupid. And what, what I was, and the, the reason why I hate it is because the whole family that owned the company, all their nephews and nieces and aunts and cousins and everything, worked for the company, and I was the, like one of the only outsiders. And they made sure I knew it. And they would team up against me, and, and when I was a kid, and this, I was like 14 years old, because back in those days, we actually let kids work. Um, <laughs> and uh, they locked me into storage facilities and left me. And uh, really bullied me terribly in this facility. I just, like, they constantly made sure I knew I was not one of them. And I hated it. And you know what God did in my heart through that terrible situation? He showed me what it's like when there's a group of people who don't love people who are nothing like them. So that I would never be a pastor of a church that made visitors feel like they weren't already part of the people. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for that lesson. Because <laughs> I never want anybody to walk through this church and feel like, I don't belong here. I want you to feel like you belong here. And I don't want you to feel ostracized. I don't want you to feel demonized. I don't want you to feel criticized. I want you to know that the same Jesus who could save my sorry self can save yourself too. He loves you. You know, this is what we got to realize, though. And so he says, look, man, love the Lord. That's, that's number one. That's the commandment. And he picks this commandment that nobody has down. Nobody has down. And, and so I thought about this. This is point number two in your notes. Uh, number two in your notes. Well, just real quickly, God's ultimate plan is bigger than my preferences. I've already said that. But number two is a heart for God stops trying to justify your own goodness before him. Let me unpack this for a moment because this, this point won't make sense unless I unpack it. So let me just say. When Jesus says, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's picking the two commandments of the Old Testament that nobody can say, I got that one. Real quick survey of the audience. Be careful now. Last night's service failed with this question. How many of you have absolutely 100% nailed the commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself? Put your hand up. Much better response. Because if your hand was up, you should be up here preaching, and I should be out there. And my hand's not up either. <laughs> what he's saying, what he's doing is he's annihilating their self-justifying projects. You know why we love to split up into our little groups of, of, of moral superiority? Do you know why we love to do this? Because we can always just demonize another group and make ourselves feel like we have reached the pinnacle. This is why we love to build people up in Hollywood. And as soon as they get up there, what do we do? Tear them down. This is why we love to build up the patriots, ESPN patriots, so the patriots, and then we love to tear them down. It's in the human nature. It's in the human nature to make another group the group that doesn't have it together so that your group can feel like you do have it together. And Jesus doesn't pick a rule that any of those groups would have picked. He picks the one rule that supersedes all the other rules and is the underbelly of all the other rules. The reason why you do all those things is so that you can love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what that did was annihilate the religious and moral boasting of every single person in that audience. Nobody had that down. And so I thought, look at this man's response. Verse 32, look what it says. And the scribe said, you're right. You almost can feel like he came to Jesus arguing, and now he's like, oh, shoot, you're right. <laughs> and he says, he is one. And to love him, verse 33, with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one his neighbors is much more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Just a real quick question about the text here. Why does he, why does he mention burnt offering and sacrifices? Because Jesus didn't mention that. This is out of nowhere. Where did that come from? It came from his religious system. It came from his religious system, his upbringing. That's my number one rule. I'll do that, and I'll be okay with God. Burnt offerings and sacrifices, and suddenly he realizes, wait a second, all the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices in the world don't matter if it doesn't come from a heart that loves God. All the church attendance, all the small group ministry, all the things that you do in your life do not matter if it doesn't come from a heart for God. So stop trying to use your works as like some kind of self-justifying project to make sure you're okay in life. Those things don't matter as much as the fact that you know God loves you and you love him. And so whatever comes at you in 2018, it's okay because you and your father are going to walk in it together. And you don't have to prove yourself. He says, I can't do enough burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's what he's basically saying. I couldn't do enough burnt offerings and sacrifices to love God with all my hearts. And Jesus says, exactly. If you guys your notes out, write this down. A heart for God stops the self-justifying projects and comes to him with a heart in need of grace. In other words, God, I need you this year. Before I make something other than just loving you the goal of my life, I need you. Number three, finally. A heart for God takes whatever next step God sets before us. 
whatever next step God sets before you is, is what he wants for you. Now, now, the text ends a certain way that I was very uncomfortable with. Because look what it says in verse 34. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I had a hard time with that answer from Jesus because I was like, well, Jesus, <laughs> if he's not far, just nudge him over the line. Like, don't you want to say that to Jesus here? Like, why, why leave him at not far? Don't leave him in not far. Get him to sign. Get him, get, him to, get him to check the box. Get him baptized. Get him going in the Get him in a small group quickly. <laughs> and the Lord had to challenge me to say, you know what Jesus is really happy about with this guy right here? You know what he's really happy about? He took a step. You're closer. And I think about this, and God forgive our church for doing this to you sometimes, and I don't want this to be the case. Sometimes we make, like, Christian faith a religious program. So you come to church, and then you raise your hand, and then you get baptized, and you get in a small group, and then done. And uh, as much as those steps are necessary, and I love those steps, those, it's like, it's not... A confirmation process where, okay, I did that, and now I can go and live my life and know that I'm going to heaven. No. If you believe that, you'll come to our church, you'll go through the waters of baptism, and then we will never see you again. Don't be obsessed with checking off the boxes of religious ritual. Be content to walk in the next step, God gives you with confidence that it's going to bring you forward toward him. So my, my thought is that Jesus says, look, this is what faith in me looks like. It's a journey. Not everybody has the amazing, life-shattering moment with Jesus. A lot of people do. But some people, it's a process. Some people come and listen to me for months before they ever come to Christ I think about a, a guy, his name is Arun, and he was Hindu his entire life, raised Hindu, and he came for months, and a small group in this church brought him into the small group as a Hindu. Let him talk about Hinduism in the small group. Nobody ever shut him down. He's talking about, this is what I pray to, this is who I love, this is what I, my religion is about. And for six months, <laughs> we have a practicing Hindu in a Waters Church small group. How many think that's so cool? That's so cool. But you know what? We didn't want to leave him as a Hindu. We just wanted to love him into Jesus. But we knew it was a process. And eventually, God blasted open the doors of his heart, and he was baptized. And now he serves as a small group leader here at Waters Church to the glory of God. It's a process. And so I... My question for you, I want you to write it down because it's a question I want you to consider. If faith in Christ is a journey, what's your next step and are you taking it? Are you growing more and more not far from God's purposes? So what is your next step? Maybe it is to give your life to Jesus. Maybe it is to get baptized. Maybe it is to stop practicing certain actions that you know are debilitating to your spiritual life to get help. 
Maybe it is to start serving. Maybe it is to foster a child. Maybe it is in two Saturdays, um, small group um, game night to see if, well, can I get into a small group so that I feel like I belong here? I'm just saying, there's definitely a next step because God wants you to come close to him. Are you taking it? And, and then so that's the physical reason why Jesus says you're not far, but the, the, the spiritual, the theological reason why Jesus says you're not far from the kingdom of God and why Jesus doesn't say, okay, now here's the next step. Do you know why? Do you know why Jesus doesn't give him the next step? Because Jesus took the next step for him. Where's Jesus? He's in the temple. He's on the way to the cross. He knows he's going to the cross to bear the sins of the world. He's going to the cross to bear the sins of this man. This man right here who wanted to challenge him and trap him and test him. He's going to the cross for that man too. And so this is the last thing I want you to write down. Listen, Jesus took all the steps necessary to make all of our steps possible. So this should eliminate the idea in some of your minds right now, but I'm not good enough. You haven't heard the gospel then. The gospel says you are declared righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. None of us are good enough. He was good enough for us, and he makes a way possible through his righteousness to come boldly into the throne room of God's grace and receive mercy to help us in our time of need. He said, I'm not talented enough. It doesn't matter about your talent. God can take anybody. He took man and he made him out of the dust of the earth. You're just dust. It's okay. He breathes his spirit into dust and things start to come alive. Receive the Holy Spirit so that God can take your dust and turn it into something dynamic for the glory of God. You say, but I don't come from a religious upbringing. Amen. You're our favorite kind of person because we're always trying to reach people who have no religious upbringing and they need to hear that you are just like them 2018 is going to give you a bunch of stuff you didn't expect surrender your life and say God I'm with you heart, soul, mind, strength have your way with me